welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith. FCS Fans Nation, we are in the midst of week one, and don't worry, that means we had football last week because week zero counts nowadays, and FCS football is back. Welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast, your unbiased bison admin, Matthew Frazee here, as always, or at least when I'm available, and tonight I'm joined with the one and only Mr. Kyler Inferno Red Neal. Kyler how are you doing tonight, buddy? I am doing fantastic. It is just a podcast night. I have this one going on, then my Eastern you know, Eagles Power Hour, one that focuses on Eastern Washington. So I'm excited, and I am you know, getting podcasts out, but I, I still love it. This is great. It's a Frisco matchup, uh, or Frisco meetup, I guess, for our podcast tonight. We don't have our normal uh, Lawrence Duke dog buddy on tonight. He had some things he needed to take care of to prep for this amazing season coming up, which is fine. Uh, So it's just going to be the eagle and the bison for you guys tonight. But we're unbiased, and we have a lot of topics all over the FCS from our great members on FCS Fans Nation. So guys, let's get right into the good stuff. But before we do, we want to bring up the fact that we are sponsored tonight by the Versus Sports Simulator app. And did you know that the Versus Sports Simulator app is one of the most accurate sports analytic tools on the market today? Just last season, the Versus Sports Simulator app was accurate on 76% of all college football games during the year. That includes NIA, NAIA, NAIA, it's more accurate than my speech, D3, D2, FPS, and of course FCS, which is the best division of college football. All the other top sports analytic tools like Sargon and ESPN, Sagrin, are hovering around 74%. Do you want to impress your family or friends by potentially knowing the outcome of games? Are you looking to go to Vegas sometime soon? Well, the Sports Simulator app through Versus will solve all of your problems and make you look like a genius when it comes to predicting sports. You can look for it anywhere that you find your apps, whether it's Google Play or the iTunes App Store, by searching the Versus Sports Simulator. And definitely make sure it's known that you heard about it on the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Thank you so much to the Versus Sports Simulator app for sponsoring our show. We appreciate the support. All right, guys, shameless plug time number one is done, and we are kicking right into it. I've got my beer ready to go, and we're going to go right into the topics that our members on our page have been asking about. So, Kyle, are you ready to kick it? Absolutely. I'm fancy tonight. I got my little bit of glass of wine. I don't have a beer. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to live it up. You know, it's hump day. It's time to just get that little bit of edge with a little bit of wine. I like that. I respect it. Yeah, I'm classy. So, you know, since you're going classy, Kyler, <laughs> let's talk about some of the most classy games that we may see coming up here in week one. Because Kevin Geeter asked us, which games in week one do we think are going to be the most evenly matched FCS games? So of the schedule, which we have a plethora of teams playing on Thursday and Friday matchups, Actually, only one Friday matchup, but a ton on Thursday. And then, of course, we have our Saturday slate. Uh, What's a game or two you see that could be very evenly matched between FCS squads? So, 
obviously, you know, this is week one, so we don't really know what teams are actually going to be good. It's it's all just a guess um, right now. But I do have two games that I w- I'd like to focus on, and I actually think our game of the week, Elon versus North Carolina A&T, I think it's a great matchup. Now, there's a lot of question marks surrounding this North Carolina A&T team, um, but they've been really good, you know, the last five years, and Elon's really trying to make a name for themselves. So a lot of questions will be answered, but I think this is going to be a great game. Another one where, you know, I'm going way outside the box on, and you're probably going to go, why the hell are you picking that game? But before you (laughs) say that, let me explain it. So I really like Southern Illinois at SEMO. Now, I get Southern Illinois is coming off a two-win season last year. They weren't good, and SEMO right now is ranked 17th in the nation. You look at that and you go, how the hell is that going to be a good game, Kyler? You're an idiot. I'm turning off the podcast. But wait, <laughs> hear me out. This is a legit out-of-conference rivalry game between you know two schools that are only 50 minutes apart, and they actually play yearly in their out-of-conference. So, like, when you're talking about a rivalry game and, you know, a lot of fans across FCS Fans Nation are saying, oh, we have a rivalry with Kennesaw, even though, you know, they've only played them once. This is a legit rivalry, and I'd say probably Southern Illinois' biggest rivalry, um, which it's it's not even in the Missouri Valley, which is kind of weird to think about. But this decade, as awful as, you know, Southern Illinois has been, they've won six of the matchups in the last nine years. So... SEMO should be the better team. You know, they are the better overall team. But since it's a rivalry and they know each other and they play each other all the time, this is that game that could literally go any way. And yeah, I I think it's, you know, I wanted to pick a game that no one's going to think about. And and I think this could be a really, really good game. And it could be very evenly matched just because it's a rivalry. I don't expect Southern Illinois to, you know, be the best team or be a top 15 team. Um, And I do think SEMO is going to be improved. But just because of everything I've mentioned, I think this is going to be a good game. Awesome. I love those picks. I kind of went down the same route. Like, I'm not looking for some big-time sexy matchup with North Dakota State or Eastern Washington or any of the big-name teams. I actually found two games that I think could be really good and well-scored. I'm looking at San Diego at Cal Poly as one of my matchups. Um, San Diego is obviously the premier team right now in the Pioneer League, the non-scholarship schools. They've dominated it. Um, They've won playoff games in round one before. And they've won their two playoff games against Big Sky opponents. And I believe Cal Poly was their first playoff win ever. So I like the fact that there's a little mini history behind it. Um, Cal Poly didn't have a great season last year. So it's kind of like you think of the big three with Big Sky, Missouri Valley, and the CAA. So what does like a bottom to lower mid-tier team like Cal Poly, how do they look again against a premier Pioneer League school like San Diego? So I think that one could be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I think that's going to be a good game to keep your eye on. Um, and I also like Western Illinois going to North Alabama. So Western Illinois, obviously a team that is pretty premier when it comes to the Missouri Valley Conference for like that mid-tier to fringe playoff team. I love the Leathernecks. I've got the Marine Corps lineage in me, so I just love you know I love everything about the school. Most people just pick it as an easy win for them. But I saw North Alabama come into the Dome and not get completely slaughtered last year, as most people would predict. You know, and they're, they're in their second year out of Division II. It's a home game. So I'm not saying that North, North Alabama is going to win the game, but I'm going to say that the score might be closer. So those are going to be my uh, two matchups. Uh, what do you think about those ones, Kyler? I actually really love the, the Cal Poly-San Diego game, and I kind of put that one on upset alert. 
And the main reason is so San Diego's had one hell of a quarterback this, you know, the last couple of years. He's gone. And the, the great thing is Cal Poly, their offense is completely gone. The, their best running back that they had, you know, Big Joe, who was tearing up everyone. I think he had like, what, four seasons of 2,000 yards or something yeah. stupid. Um, plus their quarterback is gone. So you're looking at two offenses that are brand new. It's an in-state, you know, maybe not a true rivalry, but it's an in-state rivalry game. And I actually absolutely love that pick. And then I know you already sent me the questions. <laughs> so um, the next question is, I actually am talking about, the, the other game, you just picked the Western Illinois versus Northern Northern um, Alabama or North Alabama. My bad. Yeah, it's, I think the, all four of those games really are going to play out for if someone's just got on ESPN Plus and searching for random games to look for like good matchups. Uh, I think all four of those should play out pretty well. And I'm excited to see we're going to kick off some where we were right, where we were wrong segments moving forward. So I'm excited to see how that plays out, if any of them are real close for people. So. Um, Kevin Geeter actually has a, a kind of a follow-on question for us too. Uh, he wants to know which under the radar teams do you think will make a big statement this week? So obviously looking for teams maybe outside the top 25 or on that fringe that might make an impact. Um, and with that one for me, I kind of went with Montana at South Dakota and I'm going with South Dakota on this one. Um, I don't think USD Ooh. is going to be like this elite power team, but you know, they play pretty well when they're in there in their little dome there in South Dakota. Montana also has to travel. I know Montana is starting to get its feet under itself. Um, so I think if South Dakota can pull an upset, they might be one of those teams where people go, whoa, maybe maybe they make some noise here in the Valley. Um, I know it's a kind of an unpopular thing to pick maybe. Uh, maybe a little Valley bias is kicking into me. Uh, but I think Montana is just an easy, sexy pick there. And if an upset were to happen, I think South Dakota could be your under-the-radar team that pops up onto to individuals' radars. Uh, I have another answer, but I want to save them for a different question. So... I'll stick with the South Dakota with the Montana thing if if they pull it off for sure. Kyler, do you have an under the radar team you think that could really pop this weekend where we start seeing posts on our page about them? Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm going out about you know a different way as well. Um, so so first off, let me just say Villanova and Youngstown State already made their statements and they were big statements. So no um, now I definitely picked them to win, but I thought it'd be competitive, and neither one of them were. But yeah, I'm going to go another completely outside the box pick, but it is referring to a game you actually spoke about on the last question. And it's going to be North Alabama who plays Western Illinois. So if you're looking at the spreads, I believe North Alabama is a 23.5 underdog. You know, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's what I believe I saw. It's pretty hefty. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a home game for North Alabama. And although I'm not positive they win, I am just not sold on Western Illinois this year. Um, I don't think they are that good, and I think UNA easily covers a spread, and it's a competitive game that's going to come down to the wire. Now, if UN, UNA does come out with a victory, you know that's going to boost their morale, and it's only going to push them into being a more dangerous team in the 2020s. So that that's the type of statement I'm going with. I think they're going to, you know, actually play really strong, and you know if they do win, which I'm not sold they're going to win, but I do think it's going to be a very contested game. Then, you know, in their first two years in the FCS, they're going to have wins over a Big Sky team. Now, granted, it was a really bad one, and a Missouri Valley team in their first two years. That is going to send a huge statement and, you know, put some, I would say, put some confidence in UNA moving forward um, into the 2020s. Which is awesome. And it, it is about building something. You know, UNA is a pretty good program coming from Division Two, And it's like, you can't expect to just win championships, but... 
getting those confidence builders, increasing recruiting, stuff like that, that can come from big wins. So I like that. That's a sexy pick. I like that one a lot. Um, let's keep moving into week one. Uh, we got a lot of topics. We really got blown up by questions this week, guys, and it's awesome. So uh, we're really going to get into them deep. Uh, Nicholas Wilson wants to know which teams in week one are most likely to pull off an upset over an FBS team. As you know, week zero or typically week one, that's where a lot of these FBS, FCS matchups happen. Kyler, which one of that you're seeing are you like, okay, I can really see this being an upset and I'm doing my quotey fingers right now. So Kyler, who do we see? I wish I saw those fingers. It would have oh, been great. They, they are uh, moved <laughs> perfect right on the left and right side of the mic. It was perfect. I believe it. Um, honestly, looking at week one, I don't see many picks where I feel really confident saying the FCS has a good shot. And, you know, of course, there's going to be the favorites that everyone's going to talk about. South Dakota State, James Madison, UC Davis, or really anyone who's playing Kansas. Um, because Kansas is awful. But I'm going <laughs> to go. You know what? I think this is just screw this box tonight. I'm going to go with another outside the box pick that a lot of you probably aren't thinking of. And it's going to be sky or big sky bottom dweller, Northern Colorado over San Jose state. Now it is hard to bet on any type of win for Northern Colorado, even if it's against bottom tier FCS teams. Um, But that being said, they do have a 40th year starting quarterback coming back. You know, he's been around since I was 12 and his name is Jacob Nip. He is among the NFL's top, you know, QB prospects out of the FCS. I believe he's projected one or two if there is a quarterback prospect that will get drafted. So if Nip can stay healthy the whole game, that brings, you know, that offense that UNC has shown they're capable of in the past. It could end up, you know, being a terrific offense and it could end up being a shootout uh, versus one of the worst FBS teams. So surprisingly, Northern Colorado does have a realistic shot of grabbing an FBS win and still finishing at the bottom of the big sky this year. Interesting. I, I like the pick. And yeah, I think it was, did UC Davis get that win over San Jose State last last year, I believe? They they, they did. And I mean, it was a close game, close but it, game. Was, yep. it was like that, almost a Pac-12 at midnight game, even though it's a Mountain West team. I don't think it got over to like 2 a.m. Oh, it, it was crazy intense. And it's awesome that the FCS was able to represent and get the, get the win. Um, I'm going to go with Illinois State over Northern Illinois. And... I just don't understand why this isn't getting a little more attention for a real sexy pick. I mean, I see it somewhere, but um, Illinois State, I think most are predicting for a really good season with one of the best running backs in the FCS and a senior quarterback, bringing back a lot from last year. Brock's back doing his thing at head coach. And Northern Illinois, uh, they had an above 500 record last year, but it was in the MAC. And they played UAB in their bowl game and got destroyed. Um, I don't know a lot about Northern Illinois, but I know they're a MAC team and I know they're not an elite one. So I don't see any reason why Illinois State couldn't go in there and get that win here in Week Zero. So Il- didn't Illinois State have an FBS win last year, or or am I thinking of someone else? You're right. They went out. Um, I, is it, I think they went to Colorado State. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, FCS fans yes. nation. And I think they they beat them in. They beat them bad. So I and think they dominated them. Yeah, they 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 put the pedal to the metal. So I mean. If they were able to do that at Colorado State, I don't see why they can't go into a MAC team and do the same thing with what should be an even better roster from what Illinois State has last year. I think it's a springboard for a really good season, and I can see that being an upset for you. So hopefully that answers your question for FBS, FCS. Uh, pay attention to all of them because FCS Fans Nation page will be blowing up as soon as we get those upsets going. Upsets, quotey fingers. So 
going into that game you mentioned, Kyler, from week zero, uh, Rob Jones and both Brandon Owens kind of asked about this, both awesome fans on our page. Um, Rob Jones said, what surprised you most about the team performance last weekend in the matchups? Obviously, Youngstown beating Sanford pretty bad, Villanova beating Colgate pretty bad. And then Brandon Owens kind of continues that on with, he wants to know, is Nova that good or Colgate that bad? So overall opinions of those games last week, Kyler, and what overall is like, is it is the team really good? Is the team really bad? Tell me a little bit about what you thought about week zero. Yeah, so I'm going to say the main thing is you guys are just paying too much attention to this. This is an early matchup. There's a reason why, you know, the FCS gets a lot of FBS upsets in week one. You know, it, it's early and sometimes things don't always mesh together. Now, I will say nothing really truly surprised me. I did go 100% on our pick I didn't think Colgate would be the same team as they were last year. And I knew Samford without Hodges would struggle. Everything I predicted was right besides how dominant Youngstown State looks. Their defense is always good. But man, do they have some ball hawks on that team. I mean, any type of tip. They were there. Um, they turned at a dime to get interceptions. Like it was very impressive, um, and I'm excited to see how Youngstown State will look. You know, versus maybe a team who is a top 25 caliber. Because I don't think Sanford is right now with the losses they've had. I have them around 50. So a, a, a good team should be able to beat a team like Sanford um, by that. And also, I'm for the Villanova Colgate game. I'm going to say it's kind of the same scenario where. You can actually say, you know, both and neither at the same time on if Nova was good or Colgate was bad. Nova looked great and Colgate looked bad. I get it. Now, that being said, I didn't think Colgate was going to be that good anyway. You know, they were definitely going to regress in my position because they lost a lot of talent. And Nova was going to improve, which all happened. But again, like this is week one. Things like this will happen early um, I'm not going to make any real judgments on both teams until a couple year or a couple weeks, you know, down the road. But I will say, if this week zero is any indication on what Villanova can be, I mean, they do have potential to be a CAA title contending team off of that one game. But again, let's wait a couple weeks. Let's see how they perform versus other teams before we just jump the gun. Awesome, great analysis overall for me. Um... I, you know, I also picked the, the exact same victories, maybe not as such a wide margin. Uh, I'm a big proponent right now of the last 10 years, using that as my historical standpoint for my opinions and things like that. Um, so for me personally, I just, I just am not surprised that the big three came out and performed the way they did. You know, CAA, Missouri Valley, Big Sky have dominated the FCS in terms of when we get to the playoffs and championships, things like that. And I'm not surprised that Sanford, a better record team, facing a last year four and seven Youngstown got pushed around a little bit. Cause I know Youngstown's physical. They match up really well against North Dakota state, South Dakota state. Uh, I know that Villanova has given teams in the CAA a lot of trouble. Some of the ones that the people consider big dogs. So at the end of the day, I wasn't surprised to see these teams get pushed around. You're right. The physical dominance was shocking, but I also am the individual who's picking Youngstown state to beat North Dakota state. Uh, in the regular season because I know how much trouble that 3-4 defense and Bo Polina gives NDSU. So I'm not as surprised Youngstown was that good, but it overall I think I'm not shocked that the big three was able to push the non-big threes around. So that's going to be kind of my overall takeaway from it. But it was great to kick it off. Um, I wish the attendance was a little better. And speaking of that attendance, it's actually Chris Hammond, one of our best Idaho 
fans, a vandal, who's asking a little bit about that attendance, Kyler. He wants to know, do you think the FCS should go out of its way to make that week zero game that you know is going to be televised um, more of the top flight teams? He really liked in 2015 how NDSU versus Montana was like a standpoint. Like that was such a cool game for non-FCS fans to watch because of the environment. Um, if so, what what kind of out-of-conference games would you have moved to showcase in week zero in comparison to the ones we saw? Because the attendance in both those games was not a real good showing for the FCS. You know, it it really did not help us in terms of a national brand. So overall, personally, I think you should always aim for those big matchups. It's always going to be better for the FCS, but you've got to line that up in terms of, you know, teams ahead of time. Uh, I don't know how those conversations go with week zero uh, with athletic directors and others and giving up a home game and travel and things like that. But I think best case scenario is if you can get a JSU EWU, EWU, you know, in week zero, that's really tough to beat. If you're going to get a Montana NDSU, if you could go get a James Madison versus a big name team, maybe out there on the East Coast. Uh, somebody who's going to fill the stands and make the environment really cool, I'm all for that. But I get why it's going to be tougher to schedule it that way. Uh, Kyler, how do you think about uh, getting a bigger Week Zero game for like the broadcasting standpoint? Yeah, so first let me just say, like when they announced this game last year, Youngstown State versus Sanford, I, I kind of asked myself, why the hell would they put this game together? And showcase this on a national TV audience. You know, why would this be the kickoff game? The two teams weren't overly impressive. They don't have overly impressive fan bases. And yeah, I think the FCS kickoff should be a game that either has, you know, two of the best teams, um, you know, maybe not two of the best, like one versus two, but top 10 caliber teams, or at least the best types of atmospheres in the FCS. Um, I honestly don't care if they go to a North Dakota State, a James Madison, Montana, Montana State, Jacksonville State, or any of the HBCUs every single year. As long as it's a good showing on national TV, then the FCS will grab more respect. Um, I thought this was an awful pairing to bring to that national level. Also, like Colgate, they should have never hosted a live TV game you know, either to start the season. They were a top team all last year, and they averaged less than like 4K in attendance. I don't get it. The whole day, in my opinion, was an FCS fail. Now, the matchups weren't bad, and they were interesting to, let's say, the FCS fans like myself and you, um, but just those matchups should have never been made to showcase the FCS on the national TV level. I don't get it, and I don't like it. Now, looking at the schedule of this year, I see like five potential, six potential games that could have been amazing. So the very first one, you know, call me Homer, but Eastern at Jacksonville State, these are two top 10 teams in front of 25,000 people. It's going to be a great atmosphere, a great day, and that could have showcased some some awesome football. Also, UC Davis at North Dakota State, two top five teams in front of 18,000 fans. And right now, you know, you guys are the greatest dynasty in FCS history. I can say that, and I'm not that mad about it. Or North Dakota even versus North Dakota State. You're bringing back that historic rivalry. How awesome would that game be? have been to be moved to week zero to showcase something like that. Um, even North Alabama at Montana, because Montana has one of the best atmospheres in the FCS, or like JMU at Chattanooga. I think that could have been a sweet game. Chattanooga is well known. You know, Terrell Owens, they used to host the national championship back in the day, and JMU's fans would probably travel, especially if it's a week zero game. I think all of those games could have been amazing to showcase the FCS kickoff game. It would have been great atmospheres, good football, 
And honestly, it wouldn't have been a, I'm not going to say a joke to any of the fans who maybe were a part of those teams, but I don't know. It, it just was a bad pick to showcase at the national level. Yeah, it was it was rough for the outing for sure when it comes to the fans and what the stadium was showing. They got those big, large, you know, almost air blimp views, and you looked at the fans in the stands and you're like, oh my goodness. But you know, maybe scheduling got in the way. But at the end of the day, uh, it's a really good point by you to just call it how it is, which is you know, it just was not a good showing for the FCS. So Chris, yeah, those bigger matchups definitely something we want to see. So let's move a little bit into the. Pirates of Howard there, Kyler. Um, Mr. Casey Thompson wants to know, what's the ceiling slash outlook for the Hampton Pirates with Florida State University transfer DeAndre Francis as the starter under center? Once again, I'm terrible with last names, so if I butchered his last name, I apologize. Um, He's wondering with that big, giant transfer, I mean, that is a huge transfer for them at the quarterback position, which as we know can just change games. What does it look like for Hampton? And obviously looking back at Hampton last year, they played as an independent and they had a seven and three record, which wasn't bad. It's not like the schedule was overly difficult. Um, They mostly played like Mississippi Valley state style teams and Presbyterian a couple D two teams. Their big opponents like Northern Iowa, Charleston Southern and Monmouth. um, They lost those games pretty bad. So they're going to need to see some improvement all across the board, but quarterback play alone could help them based off their 2019 schedule. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Elizabeth City State and Virginia Union University, their first two games are both Division II games, so they probably should win those now. Um, they play against Howard at home, and then they enter that Big South schedule because they're going to be members of the Big South. And there's no reason why with a great quarterback you couldn't win at Presbyterian or you know v- VMI and Campbell and Gardner-Webb. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to compete immediately with like the Kennesaws and the Monmouths and some of those bigger-name schools. But if they went 7-3 and three on that uh, schedule last year, which was pretty weak, and I see this year's schedule being pretty weak, plus the quarterback addition, I don't see why they couldn't get to like seven wins again, maybe eight if they're lucky, six wins, but not enough to get them into the playoffs. So unless they were extremely young last year and they're bringing back a lot of core guys that could just elevate everything around that great transfer, uh, I'm not going to see a playoff spot, but I could see them hitting kind of the mark they had last season. So, Kyler, what do you think about Hampton and our transfer there? Yeah, so first off, let us let me just say, like, DeAndre, if you guys aren't familiar with him, if you don't follow Hampton or maybe the South with Florida State, this kid was a huge-time recruit for Florida State. I believe he was, like, a top-five dual-threat quarterback in the nation out of high school. And he had offers from, I think, like, 20 or so FBS Power 5-type level schools. I think everyone but Alabama pretty much offered this kid. Um, but that being said, you know, he did play, and I believe he started – Two years at Florida State. I don't know if he had an injury his sophomore year or whatever, but his freshman year, he was a stud. He had 3,300 yards, 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions, um, you know, plus some running. But he seemed to, you know, regress as time went on. His his junior year, in my opinion, was not impressive. You know, he threw for 15 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. He he, you know, didn't have the yards. His accuracy wasn't there. So, obviously, just just to kind of talk about that type of stuff, the easy answer is they should instantly approve because his talent level should be better at the FCS than it was in the ACC. But even if they do improve, I still think they might have a worse record this upcoming year. So, like you mentioned, their schedule was wasn't overly impressive. You know, they went seven and three last year. 
but they played five teams that were either D2 or lower. I don't, I don't even know if all of them were D2 programs. And this schedule still isn't tough by my standards, um, but they do play less, you know, two less D2 games, and they scheduled two most likely losses with FCS Liberty and then, you know, the new kids of the South who've been beating up everyone, Kennesaw State. So I actually think you could probably expect three to five wins for Hampton this year. So even though I do think they will be improved, I don't think it will show on their record. I think their record will actually be worse than it was last year. Ooh, a little who is right and who is wrong. I mean, we're going to have to really stretch this one out, but that'll be interesting to see if they can hit the mark I think they can or if you think the record will be worse. So um, a stud transfer regardless, and it's always great to see big names like that and the Zarek Coopers and others come into the FCS fold. So Kyler, last kind of big dive in one before we hit a bunch of speed round questions because we have a ton of them. Um, Who are your preseason dark horse teams that you think might surprise people or make a run in the playoffs? The ones no one is really talking about right now, uh, that's who Taylor Kalenberg is looking for. So who's kind of your dark horse, fringe top 25, mid top 25, that's just kind of not being talked about? So I I honestly think we can probably say anyone ranked three to five in the CAA, Missouri Valley, or Big Sky could potentially make a run in this year's playoffs. Um, Because when you look at them, I mean, that could be a Villanova, that could be Youngstown State, that could be a Montana, that could be a Montana State. They all have the ability to make a run. Um, But I'm actually going to say my dark horse that absolutely no one is talking about right now is Sam Houston State. Like, no one is talking about them. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, saying that their six-win season last year was just a rebuild year. This team has won 92 games in the last nine seasons. They, 92 games. They're number two in the FCS in, in wins this you know this decade of the 2010s. Now, when I'm looking at their schedule, I do see about five 50-50 games, which could make or break a team. But if they do win you know, most of them and they get in the playoffs – they have the experience to make a run, and I'm not going to doubt Sam Houston State in the playoffs to win one to two to three games in the playoffs versus you know other teams. They have the experience, and I got to say, yeah, that, that's got to be my dark horse. Awesome. I love that. It's just a team where you're right. They are a program. They're established, and people are going to forget about them because they had one down year, and they, they always make fun of Sam Houston because they get blown out and blah, 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 blah. But they come back into the playoff fold, and you're going to be like, whoa. Here they are again. No surprise. Mine is going to be, I've already talked about on my previous podcast. It's going to be Furman. Um, and it's simply based off of the fact that they're always kind of a team that's a little bit more advanced when it comes to, you know, tradition and history and stuff. But they're also just killing it in the recruiting game. And Hero Sports is my big outlet for this. And I'm watching them perform. And when it comes to the recruiting stuff, they're pulling in guys that big time FBS program should be getting, you know, three star guys left and right. So I love what Furman's building. I think they, you know, have a good roster coming back this season as long as the quarterback play is there. Uh, but I think the young youth that could be involved this year, especially with the new redshirt freshman rules, stuff like that, I think Furman could really make a run. So they're preseason number 19. I don't think anybody's going to give them much respect, but I could see them ending up in the second round or quarterfinals of the playoffs. I really like Furman this year as my dark horse. So whether it's Furman or Sam Houston State, at least for 2019 purposes, be on the lookout. Watch for those dark horses. Kyler, you ready for some speed round? Absolutely. These are some of always the weirdest, sometimes most fun, and debated questions that we ever get into. 
Awesome. I can't wait. Um, we're going to start off with completely, unless you're in the stands buying concessions, a off-topic question, which we answer all of these on FCS Fans Nation, and we guarantee shout-outs. Uh, Will Emmanuel Siller wants to know, Coke or Pepsi? I will answer first here, and I will say heavily Coke 100% by like a 1,000 miles. Uh, Pepsi is a knockoff. Coke is OG American. Uh, I know it used to be laced, but we've got that figured out, you know, and now everything is legal and fine. Coca-Cola tastes so much better. It's a tradition ingrained in America. I love McDonald's and the red, white, and blue and Coca-Cola and everything that's American. So Coke all the way. Tyler, you agree or disagree with me here? Absolutely. The only good thing Pepsi's ever done were those, you know, commercials back in the 90s with that cute little kid, you know, who was her voice would change and she'd get super evil. I believe that was Pepsi. But <laughs> other than that, Pepsi sucks. I'm going with Coke. Awesome, man. I love it. We're, we agree on that. We can cheers a Coke when we're down in Frisco. Looking forward to it. Um, so Bob Ferguson, one of our best JSU. Ooh, almost gave you an M there, Bob. Best JSU fans, the Gamecocks. Uh, he wants to know, for game one week, what are the can't-miss matchups? I know we talked about that a little bit, but possibly looking into like maybe more of the big-style ones. And I'm going to throw right back to that Montana and South Dakota, just because Montana is that fringe top 25 team. They're the team that people are always talking about. Are they back? Is Montana back? They're an established program. And where does South Dakota sit in, you know, the, the Missouri Valley after a good season, two seasons ago and a down year last year. So I'm going to go with that Montana, South Dakota. I think that's tough to beat for a week one. Kyler, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I picked two, two two games. Montana versus South Dakota is definitely one of them. The other one that I'm actually kind of excited to see is Towson versus the Citadel. Um, this is a matchup that I will definitely be paying attention to because this is like where we can see if the SoCon has improved and maybe they're turning themselves into a power-type conference again. Or is Flacco just too much and the CA is too much and Flacco's offense will just be way too much to handle. So I'm actually really excited about those two games that, and I'll be paying attention to them. Awesome, man. Awesome. There you go, Bob. So after your Gamecocks are done uh, playing there on Thursday night, you can look for Saturday for some of those good good matchups. So Adam Peterson wants to know, is it normal for these established FCS teams to schedule two NAIA or D2 teams in one season? And how does that happen? Um, he's guessing that it would hurt your playoff chances, especially if you're in a weaker conference. Well, let me just speak off of the playoff chances, and then I'll let you kind of have the scheduling stuff, Kyler. Because uh, I know NDSU has heavily gone away from it, and a lot of Missouri Valley teams are as well. Um, but some people get into binds when it comes to scheduling, especially as programs and 12-game schedules. When it comes to playoff chances, they use the simple rating system for the committee that's placing playoff seeds and deciding who gets in the playoffs. And if you have an NAIA team on there or a D2 team, they do not count that as anything. So if two teams each play 12 games and they're each 9-3, and three, and one of those teams played an NAIA team, they're viewed as eight and three. So they have one less game and most likely a win off their resume. So if it's between those two teams and to get in the playoffs, we've seen teams like last year, Indiana State, have an eight-win record, I believe, but one of those wins was a D2, so it was only seven. Therefore, they missed out on the playoffs. So scheduling is very important. I'm sure he's referring to Kennesaw State, who plays two NAIA teams this year. Really bad for strength of schedule, really bad for the committee. Uh, but Kyler, how do you think programs, why do they still do this and, and, and who really still does this? Uh, for scheduling two of them, I mean, that a lot of times it's, it's going to either be 
you know, lack of money, lack of teams willing to travel. Um, specifically, I'm talking about like West Coast teams because that's who like all the big sky schools, a majority of them are at least scheduling one type of NAI or, or D2 team. But it seems like a lot of the big South is scheduling multiple. And I just don't know if it's, you know, they don't have as many teams because I think they only have five or six teams um, in their conference. So they just have to try and build a, a really good, strong out of conference. And at the end of the day, there's just a lack of teams who are willing to, you know, schedule them because they have their conference that they have to schedule and they already have their three out of conference games. And it's just tough. Um, now, I will say, like, if you're only scheduling one, I I have mixed feelings on if it hurts you or helps you. And I'm going to kind of talk about if you're a top tier team and you schedule one, it does not affect if you make the playoffs or not. You know, Eastern Washington, they've scheduled two D2 or D2 Central Washington both times they went to the national championship. Alabama schedules an FCS every year and they stay in the top two. Um, and also, like, if you actually look at 2017 Eastern, if we had a D2 team on our schedule compared to maybe, let's say, North Dakota State on our schedule, um, we probably would have went eight and three and made the playoffs instead of going seven and four and missing out due to our strength of schedule being really significant. So I actually have weird mixed emotions about if you should schedule um, D2 or NAIA teams. I think if you're a top, top tier team, a top five, top 10, it doesn't hurt you. If you're on the fringe, you should probably stay away from it. But yeah, I, I would really recommend never scheduling more than one. Um, but I, I get sometimes you have to, especially in the Big South, where, like I said, you only have five or six teams in your conference and you have to fill up your schedule. Sometimes that's the only option. You have to schedule multiple. Yep. Sometimes you get in a bind, you got to do what you got to do. And if your performance is good enough, like you said, it you know won't affect you as much as you think it would. Really, if only your fringe team is where you're really going to get into a lot of trouble. So. Um, Joe Gass wants to know, uh, with 22 games on Thursday slash Friday night to start week one, do you enjoy the odd non-Saturday game for your team? So Kyler, uh, mostly Jacksonville State fans and others in terms of the big schools, um, big teams that are in the top 10 right now, I should say, um, are playing these Thursday, Friday night matchups. Do you, do you prefer that in like your week one, week zero time frame, or would you rather have your team playing on a Saturday? Um... As a fan? As a fan, yeah. What do you I, think as a fan? Yeah, so as a fan right now, since it's week one, I just don't care because I wouldn't be able to go to the game anyway. And it's more, I have just been missing football in my life. Now, now I definitely prefer it on Saturday. Um, and as the season goes on, you know, I would, you know, really prefer it on Saturday or maybe even the occasional Friday night light type game. But as of week one, it's Thursday Friday. I really don't care. I just want to watch some football. Yeah, there you go. No matter what. And it doesn't affect you as much because, you know, you really haven't been, you haven't played a game yet. So we're not talking about like a Thursday night game like the NFL where Thanksgiving and stuff and it's so quick and close to each other. So not a big deal. Um, and it should be exciting. If my team is playing Thursday, Friday, I'd be pumped just to watch football earlier on. Totally agree. Uh, Kyler, Mr. Brent Evans wants to know if James Madison beats West Virginia this week, are they the unanimous number one? If Eastern beats Eastern or University of Washington, do they move up to the unanimous number one? Um, I kind of know how the polls work, and they don't really 
totally hurt teams so much if they win. So I think NDSU could still stick there if one of those two teams pulls an upset. Myself, if I was a personal voter, I would definitely move James Madison up uh, to the number one spot over NDSU because, you know, if you beat a power five team on FBS and NDSU beats Butler and you're only one spot apart, I'm going to move that one team up ahead. So if you pull an upset, I can definitely move you up there. Uh, Eastern, we'll have to see if they can move up the ranks that high. But, uh, I mean, Eastern's win would be much more impressive. So jumping from four to number one, though, with everybody else being uh, everybody else being undefeated, I think that's a tall task for how the stats committee looks. But we'll, we'll have to see. Kyler, how do you think about this? You're an official voter, so your opinion matters a lot more than mine on this. What do you think? Um, I think if Eastern Washington be a top 13 ranked University of Washington, even if James Madison beats West Virginia, I think Eastern Washington 100% moves to number one. I just don't think it would be unanimous. I think there would still be people voting for James Madison. I think there would still be people voting for North Dakota State. But com- if you're just comparing the teams that each, you know, the team that each three are playing, University of Washington is way better than the other two. So you'd have to give Eastern Washington that benefit of the doubt, especially since they played in the national championship and they return more than, let's say, North Dakota State. So I think you'd have to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I don't think we're going to see unanimous number one like at all this year. I think there's going to be a lot of question marks. And yeah, I think it's going to be really tough for a team to grab a unanimous number one overall. But the good news for you guys is you don't have to worry about that. Eastern's not beating Washington. And James Madison is probably not beating West Virginia. So North Dakota State, you guys can sleep sound. You can sleep happy. You guys should be still number one heading into this next week. Yep, it, it's going to be a tough task to overcome, but um, I'm not here to be biased about any team, and I think if you pull a big upset like that, you should definitely be moving up. So um, this is kind of a big one by Brian Ward, but overall he's asking a lot about what happens with Duquesne there in the Northeast, and he's essentially looking at scenarios where he thinks teams like Sacred Heart and CCSU and others should be doing really well this season, and if we have multiple 10-win winners and there's only one auto-league bid, how does all of that play out? Um, he's looking for Sacred Heart to put up a big fight this week against Maine. Um, in the NEC, is Duquesne still kind of that clear preseason favorite to win the conference, Kyler? Um, I'm going to say out uh, definitely yes. I know they were not the uh, season veteran team last year, and they still played really well. Got that really big upset win over Towson. I mean, just crushed them. You know, they got beat pretty bad by South Dakota State, but that's that's a pretty elite program right now in the FCS. So in terms of has the rest of the NEC picked up on Duquesne this year compared to the last year, I'm not going to buy it. So I'm going to take Duquesne as the favorites, despite all the great things I've heard about, like a sacred heart. I'll stick with Duquesne to actually win the NEC. Uh, What do you think about the Northeast Conference there, Kyler? So I know a part of his, you know, question was, are we discussing a potential at-large bid from the NEC? So that's, that's, you know, he's thinking there could be two bids from the NEC. And I just don't see it. I think Duquesne obviously is going to win it. But even the team who's coming in second, I mean, let's look at McNeese just a couple years ago. They were 9-2, and two, and they were in the Southland, which is, in my opinion, way better than the NEC. And McNeese did not make the playoffs because of strength of schedule. So even if the NEC, they have a couple tough out-of-conference games and they win and they're playing really good, once the regular season starts outside of Duquesne, you really don't have that many tough games, and I think strength of the schedule will be a factor. So I just I think Duquesne's going to win. 
And I don't think the number two team will have a good enough resume to get an at-large bid. So some bad news maybe there for the NEC, but some good news for Duquesne and their representation in the playoffs. If everything goes according to FCS Fans Nation podcast predictions, which sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Casey Everett, one of our best fans there, wants to know, who do you think the sleeper team in the Big Sky is? Kyler, I'll let you have this one since you are our Big Sky expert. Yeah, so Montana, I think, is definitely the biggest sleeper team in the Big Sky. I think they literally return every single starter from last year. No team really does that, but they were so so young last year. Um, this will be the second year under a new system with Bobby Houck. Yeah, I, if I had to pick a Big Sky team who is outside the playoff picture right now, but can jump in, grab a spot, and secure some wins, it's going to be Montana. I don't really have any other playoff faith in any other Big Sky team outside of Eastern Washington, UC Davis, Weber, Montana State, or Montana. So I, I know, Casey, you were probably hoping I would hint at Northern Arizona. I just don't have a lot of confidence in, for one, Case Cook is staying healthy all year. For two, a brand new coach with a new system trying to operate. And then three, your ability to, to replace Emmanuel Butler right away. I think it's going to take a couple years. I think NAU could be a sleeper next year, um, even without Case, or potentially make a run in the 2020s. But as of right now, I don't see anyone outside of Montana that I would consider a sleeper and playoff potential. Awesome. And I would go with uh, Eastern Washington. They've had a few rough seasons the last couple of years. Uh, maybe they can get that first uh, yep. conference win. And I, they're uh, they're an interesting team. I think they play on a red field. So I, that's who, that would be my pick for sure. Do, would you agree on that, Gar? Yeah, I totally okay. agree with you. They yeah. might do all right. Uh, if, you, if you can't send sarcasm, send your um, hate mail to North Dakota, P.O. Box, this, this, this. So, um, guys... Love this one here. Chris Harmon comes back at us again. He goes, I apologize. I need to ask one more thing. Can you rate Taylor Swift's new album, Lover? Um, let me just say, I'm a big Justin Biebs fan, as Kyla and everybody knows. Listen to Taylor Swift a little bit, T-Swizzle. I don't know about the whole album as a whole, but next Friday I'm going to what is, I'm guessing, going to be another one of my favorite movies. It is the sequel to It, It Chapter 2. And in the first It movie, the kid gets the word loser by a bully written on his cast, and he covers the S with a V, so it says lover, and I just love that scene in the movie. So anything named after uh, a little bit of a fun horror movie that I love to attend, I'm all for it. So I'm sure Taylor Swift had Pennywise and the Losers Club in mind when she named it Lover, so I bet that album just kicks ass. So Kyler, based off of my ridiculous evaluation, what do you think about T-Swizzle's new album? So I'm going to um, call you out real oh, quick. What do you got? You just called him Chris Harmon. Oh, Chris, man. you even typed him as okay. Harmon. Hey, I'm, Chris I'm Hammond. Gonna, he is a... I am going to... <laughs> I, I'm screenshotting this right now. So when uh, Chris calls us calls me out on Twitter, I will respond with, hey, look, I actually did type it wrong. So I... Yep. Yeah, but you that's, did. You know, I butchered Brian's last name last week too, so... I always preface, I'm going to butcher your name. It's, it's just known within the podcast. So um, just know and, what's going to happen. Maybe I'm actually, yeah, but maybe I'm actually wrong. And maybe there's a Chris Harmon on our page and I'm just totally dis, you know, regarding him. So if you are a real person, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure this is Chris oh, Hammond. It's totally question. Chris Hammond. Yeah. I, I'm excited for him <laughs> to identify this in the podcast. Uh, if you don't know Chris Hammond, he is one of the best writers for Tubbs at the Club and has his own podcast. Shameless plug. Go check out Tubbs at the Cub at uh, Google Play Store or iTunes. It's awesome. 
Kyler, what do you think about T yeah. Swizzle's album? So I can honestly say I'm not a T Swift fan, nor can I say I knew she had an album that just came out. So I Googled it just for this question. And guess what, guys? She has a 97% liked rating for this album. 97%, guys. That is higher than Easton Stick's winning percentage throughout his college career, which is more than Holy impressive. Mo. So, yeah, exactly. So I would have to say it's probably a very solid album and is probably going to win album of the year. And Kanye will probably say, hold up, T-Swift. <laughs> Beyonce had the best album of all time. <laughs> oh, I love that. See, and see, it's not just football, guys. We love these questions. They're great. Um, Elijah Pierre, one of our best Kennesaw State Owl fans, wants to know, Kyler, what tradition from your favorite team are you most excited to engage in to begin the season? So for your Eastern Washington Eagles, what tradition are you excited about? Honestly, I, I'm pretty sad I won't be going to any Eastern home game this year. So, like, I personally can't engage in any of their traditions um like getting shots from the shot cart girl which is always a great (laughs) thing um so i'm just gonna say i'm going to be engaging in my own college tradition and drinking a beer or 12 while watching eastern go toe-to-toe with the university of washington like we have the last couple years and you want to know a fun fact about that do you matt you want to know a fun fact I, i can't even speak because i'm so excited about this fun fact Go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> so University of Washington has dominated all of their FCS teams they have played in the last 20 years. Like their average game is, I think, like 48 or 50 to four. And you know what Eastern Washington's um, is? Let me see. I'm going to say it's better if I were to guess. Yeah. I mean, our average game, well, just our two games together, they've only beat us by 10 points total. And guess this is the the most alarming fact. We have out-totaled them in offense almost 1,100 yards to just shy of 800. We have dominated them in all the stat lines besides the turnovers. So I'm hoping we can do it again, even though we won't. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We won't. But I like fun facts, and I wanted to throw one out there. Yep, you are a facts guy. If you come at Kyler with an argument, you don't have your facts ready, you will be destroyed. Facts. Um, I would have to go with uh, the our group for the first time is now in the reserved tailgating spots for North Dakota State. So we've put in enough time. We put, uh, the Nelson family, my good buddy Brett, he has enough priority points to where our entire crew now can roll up right when the tailgating lot opens and go to our one reserve spot. We'll have it permanently forever. No more general admission waiting in line. Uh, sleeping the night before in your rig, hoping you can get in at 6 a.m. While I love that tradition for the last seven to eight years of having to line the rig up 30 hours ahead of time to get into the general admission lot, I'm looking forward to the tradition of tailgating with it being a much simpler rolling into our reserve spot. So we're pretty pumped about that. So the tradition of tailgating at North Dakota State, pretty outstanding. So Kyler, last one in the speed round, which team improved its reputation the most in the 2010s? Joshua Hoffman. Um, I'll actually take mine right off the bat because I really like this question. So easy to just be like, okay, North Dakota State. Yep, NDSU. I'm going to go with their rival, actually. Uh, South Dakota State came up into the FCS, you know, roughly around the same time as NDSU did. And, you know, they weren't really known by anybody. You know, North Dakota State wasn't either. And obviously they improved their quality. But even in like the early 2000s, 
past 2010, like 2012, 2013. South Dakota State was making the playoffs, but they lose in the second round at Eastern Washington, NDSU, you know, first round of Montana in 2015. So in that first half of the 2010 to 2020 range, I know I'm going a little bit in the future, South Dakota State was just kind of this rivaled NDSU that maybe made the playoffs. But now in the last recent three, four years, they're viewed as a serious threat for a national title. They're viewed as a top 10 team consistently. Their recruiting is really established. So I'd say reputation-wise, when people think about who are the best teams in the FCS, I would say those first couple of years into the 2010s, um, nobody really said South Dakota State. And now I think people throw their name in there. So I'm going to say SDSU. I'm going to go with the rival on that one. Uh, Kyler, who do you think's improved the most 2010s? So was this question like, you know, as the 2010s have gone on, who has been better? Or is it throughout the 2010s, like prior to 2010, the team wasn't that good. And throughout this decade, they have emerged as a top tier team. Like, how do you want to go about that question? I'm going to go about it kind of your first one. So overall reputation okay. was improved. Not saying that they were bad, like my South Dakota State one. Not saying they were bad, not saying they were irrelevant, but just their reputation went from, wow, a team to, ooh, this is a team like I don't want to play and they are going to make noise in the playoffs every year. So who do you think for that? Okay. And even- yeah, because I was, I was going to do a very homer pick because like people weren't afraid of Eastern Washington in the 2000s like they were just eh, nothing nothing impressive but if we're gonna go kind of focusing on my first type of question i'm gonna say actually weber state or uc davis or, or actually you can say both um uc davis was a bottom dwelling big sky team when they first came in they weren't good weber state had a couple mediocre years and then really bad years and now the last couple years like look at weber state they've been a top 10 team the last two years in the preseason and have stayed there the whole time. Like that's impressive. They've Very. definitely improved their reputation. UC Davis, like they came out of nowhere last year from, you know, what I would say the majority of FCS fans thought. I thought they were going to be pretty good. I didn't think they were going to be a top three type of team. And they came out of the gates flying. You know, Dan Hawkins has taken that over. So I'd say who's improved their reputation the most from the start of the 2010s to, you know, what we're looking at today. I have to go with, you know, those two big sky teams because in the beginning they were not even close to anyone's radar of being a top 25 and now they are top 10, top 5 material and, you know, some of the favorites to to go all the way and upset Eastern, upset North Dakota State. I got I got to give credit to those two teams. Awesome. I love it. That's a it was a really good question and I kind of it made us think a little bit, so I really like those ones. And that completes our speed round. That completes all of our questions. We we missed a few of them in here, but we're a little pressed on time. So I appreciate all the questions people threw out on our FCS Fans Nation Facebook page. Um, we're going to get these podcasts going a little sooner in the week. Uh, scheduling hit us all pretty hard this week. But you should expect Monday, Tuesdays for episodes to drop, moving out through the rest of the season. So you should expect right after the games end Saturday for a post to be able to Look on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, and ask questions to get on this podcast. We'll shout you out, guaranteed. I'll butcher your last name, guaranteed. But you'll actually get that information, and you'll get some really cool opinions on it. So we'll go a few bottles of wine. We'll go a few beers deep, and we'll, you'll get some real honest answers. So, uh, Kyler, before we get going for the night, we just want to mention some of the things that we have involved on our page. Obviously, this is all based around FCS Fans Nation. We are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram. We're going to be running our My Stories on Facebook to where you can add clips to, to the story, photos, videos from your game day experience, which is a great way to be engaging with other fans of the FCS Fans Nation. 
You are going to be able to post anything you want on our page as long as it's not personal attacks. We're going to be debating stuff. We're going to be talking about polls. We're going to be the first ones to get you news and up-to-date stuff. Great things are happening at FCS Fans Nation. Uh, great platforms like Athlon Sports and Hero Sports are hooking us up with information constantly. We appreciate Sam and Craig and Brian and all those guys for always helping us out. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who's been part of everything. We have our Pick'em Challenge currently going. Get your Pick'em picks in every week. Um, if you paid some money, half of it's going to charity. Half of it could go back in your pocket if you win the Pick'em. But you're going to fall far behind if you don't get your picks in. Uh, on top of that, Hit us up anytime on any social media platform and join FCS Fans Nation. Kyler, before we go into all these matchups that kick off tomorrow, um, or if you're listening to this podcast, maybe they already did kick off, but this week they are. What do you have to say for our fans out there? I got to say one thing you guys should do, and I don't think you mentioned it if you did, Matt. Eh, I could have just tuned you out, so my bad. But <laughs> you guys <laughs> should like download our Snapchat feature so we can actually see your guys' real live game time, you know, experience. That I think is awesome. I get Snapchat is more dying and everyone's using Instagram stories. I don't know if we can figure out a way to, you know, open that up so people can post on there because that would be sweet. But um, Snapchat was a cool way where, you know, if you want to experience a Montana thing and you're not there, someone who's there at the game can actually upload it their experience and i mean i just thought that was really cool and it can showcase some of the great atmospheres we actually have at the fcs level um so i would say download that we can definitely provide a link um if i think we already have one if you just go to our website but but yeah i got nothing else absolutely love all the shameless plugs we got those out of the way guys football is here it's ready to embrace us the cold chills of the fall are coming in uh you got at least if you're up north and it is football weather. It's football time. Get those tailgate rigs ready to go. Get your screaming voice ready. Get the face paint on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's football season. Next week, where we're right, where we're wrong, and lots more of your questions from FCS Fans Nation. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Boom!